You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Let's jump into this week's conversation. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the founder of Telio, a care and formation ministry for pastors. And I'm Tyler Dravitz, the executive pastor at Ridgeline Church and also the president of MyXP, a ministry where we provide remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. So today we're going to finish up a series of conversations we've been having about the problem of overstaffing, staffing in Mm -hmm. general, when we're ready to staff. And we're going to talk about, uh, last week we talked about one of the, that one aspect of thinking through need-based hiring is, mm-hmm. uh, is that we have the resources to be yes. able to hire. Yeah. And as we were talking about that, we thought it was probably worth having a conversation about what that means, because yeah. I think a lot of pastors are probably in a position similar to the one that I was in, which was, I'd never hired anyone So the only thing you think through is like, you come up with some vague number of here's what I think this job should be paid. And you literally look like, can, can we afford to, to hit that number on a monthly basis or bi-monthly basis or whatever we have to do? You might see if you can You might, yeah. Yeah. Um, And you probably call like the one guy who has that role and just are like, what What do you you get paid? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's it. And so we want to talk about in more detail what, what, pastors should be thinking through, what boards should be thinking through as they look at hiring. I think this will be a great episode for pastors to pass along to their boards as well to be able to think about it a little bit more. But before we jump in to that, we're going to start light on just a little bit of personal stuff about you and I. Okay. So here is today's question. Okay. If you had to quit your job, Mm -hmm. which I think lots of people have been daydreaming about through COVID, Mm -hmm. If you had to quit your job to chase a dream, yep. what would it be? Star on Broadway. <laughs> Dude, you did not even miss a beat. I, you know, ex- That's exact 100%. And I didn't know that. I wouldn't have said that. No? No, I thought it was for sure would have been like, go work at Disney World. No, As like yeah. a greeter. I, like, I even remember like a pivotal point in life when I like finally doubled down into like, ministry and then sort of went the like career route and all of that. But like, I, like I had in my soul and part of it was I, I did very well uh-huh. acting but and, question, and does it in high school. Does it grade against you at all? How many times in high school I had the lead in the play no. when you, you wanted to oftentimes, be. Oftentimes <laughs> the lead was not the best role. So I usually got That's the best what people role. say who didn't get the lead. Someone received the Superior Actor Award for our schools in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. The uh, the great environment that is the acting world of South Dakota. Lots of good actors have come from <laughs> South Dakota. I don't know their names, but I'm believing uh, today. January I think that's Jones. Awesome. She came from South Dakota. I don't even know who that is. Okay. Well, yeah. I'll, right. I'll IMDB her. Cool. That's awesome. I like that answer. Yeah. You know what mine has been as of late? I don't This is probably COVID and the chaos that is our world right now related. Okay. I've been fantasizing about a tiny little farm in Italy. In Italy? Wow. In Italy, yeah. Well, you, part of it is we're you just both- just went from doable to not possible. Yeah, but, but separate, like Tammy and I and you have been, we, we just finished watching oh, yeah. um, Bobby Flay mm-hmm. and Giada- yeah. In in like Italy, yeah. And if you don't want to move to Italy after that show, you don't have a. I soul. watched the preview and texted you that I'm <laughs> you taking did. a trip to Italy, <laughs> like for real. Gonna get Rosetta Stone, learn Italian. Yeah, I feel like if the it, Italy Vid- Visitors Bureau does not give them a chunk of change, they are missing out. They're missing out. Yeah, I agree. So that sounds delightful to me. All right, so if you've missed the other conversations that we've had on this topic, you should go back. I think this will be number five or fifth conversation on the topic, something like that. So go back and find those four um, because they do all weave together and they build to this point. Mm -hmm. But today, so we're going to, we're going to separate those in terms of um, a handful of things that we think are essential 
to yeah. have in place. And then we'll finish off with a couple of like, here's some uh, extras that you should think about as well. Cool. I like it. And, uh, and you, you, uh, you gave us a little insight into your thinking last week, which is that, uh, you conceive of yourself as the talent on this podcast. And today, oh, yeah. yeah. Today you actually get to be that. I thought this, you were going to bring up my vroom vroom. No, no, no. I, no. We I don't think anybody wants to. I don't think anybody wants to go back to that. Nah, I, I can't believe I brought it up again. <laughs> I can't either. All right. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna hit on that, but um, most of this is very much going to be led by you. So sure. I'm kind of going to kick off these points for you. And, and because then, you have me, you don't fully understand most no, of these things. I have the luxury okay. of not having to think about right, a lot exactly. of these things, that, but most people don't. Point. Yeah, totally. And so I'll interject where I can. Maybe I'll be a comic relief, things like that. I'll start to uh, snore if I feel like you get too long-winded. I know exactly when you're going to snore. Oh, when I you? talk about the health benefits. Oh, okay. <laughs> maybe I'll just leave the room for a few minutes and come <laughs> that, back. That'd be awesome. Okay. All right. Well, let's jump in. Let's talk about these. Would These would be the essentials, the non-negotiables. You have to be able to cover these things before we would say you, are, you have the resources yeah. to hire someone. Yep. So number one. And I do care a lot about this one, and I might have something to interject here, but it's you need to have the time to invest relationally. So kick us off on that one. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the reason that you would hire someone, I, I know this because I talk to pastors every day, all day long, mm-hmm. and the thought in hiring is always about this idea that it's going to like lighten the workload. Mm-hmm. And, and that, in its purest form, should absolutely be true. Mm-hmm. Because if it's not... Uh, you've made a bad, bad choice. Yeah. The problem or the caveat, you know, if this were like on paper, it would have like a little asterisk mm-hmm. and then some like thoughts beneath. Yeah. And those thoughts, those thoughts beneath are number one. It takes a long time. Yeah. For a brand new employee, new to your church, new to your organization, new, new, new to get their legs under them, yep. to get to know people, to understand the culture of the church. As a matter of totally. fact, I was talking to a very good pastor ministry friend who had moved uh, a few states away from where he was at to start at a new church. And he was just reflecting on that and made this comment of, I felt like it took like an entire year before I had any idea mm-hmm. what I was doing or how I was supposed to do it. Totally. So if you believe that extending this offer to someone is going to make your life better tomorrow, mm-hmm. oh man, yeah, it's just like, it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And I just, it takes time to invest in real, we would argue we have a very relational culture, Yep, always have. So we've always put uh, a disproportionate amount of effort and work into relationship. Like sure. we don't view relationship, friendship building as, as like something that is secondary to the work. We really sure. believe that it's fundamental to the work. Absolutely. And, and that therefore it's going to take a significant amount of time to totally. be able to do that. And I mean, yeah. I've, I've bemoaned even in the last few weeks, stories I've heard about pastors that haven't even asked staff members, how are, how are you? through COVID. And, Mm -hmm. and I think one of the reasons is they just don't want to slow down to have that type of relationship. And and I would just argue at a basic human level, you're a bad boss. (laughs) If (laughs) if you're not willing to have those conversations and invest this, this, this amount of time in relationship. Yeah. And I don't even think it's a matter of like, uh, passing judgment on anyone. I think to your point, even your comment earlier, like you hadn't been one before mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you were like, if you don't have experience at that, you, it takes a, t- it takes time to mm-hmm. get to understand those things and all of that. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that like, it takes time for them to get their legs under them. To your point, you absolutely have to invest in the relationship. I mean, how many hours of time have we spent just talking through things, just processing? I mean, I genuinely would not even know what to guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't either. I've actually had a clock going. It's a lot. <laughs> I like punch. That's it why in you have to get there, a new yeah. iPhone every year. It's just blowing up annually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that. I also think that it takes a long time uh, for you to set expectations with people. Mm-hmm. I think the belief that, so if you haven't done much hiring, if you haven't had many people work for you, the belief that 
everyone is going to operate in the way that is complementary to your needs is just so narcissistic, Mm -hmm. but something that is very common in many leadership roles and specifically in pastoral roles, because there hasn't been uh, a lot of times it's, you know, it's your first crack at this kind of whole new type of relationship with someone and it's a hot mess. Yeah. And so I think that, um, uh, yeah, I just think that you have to have this time. So if you are totally stretched, totally fried, then absolutely what you need is a remote service of some kind, whether it's my XP or something else, mm-hmm. because you don't have to do those same things. Totally. In that. Uh, you're paying for the expertise of someone to like drop in, hit the ground running. Uh, genuinely, um, I, I appreciate the relationship I have built with some of my guys over time, mm-hmm. but I don't need that. That's yeah. not what you're looking for. You're looking for support right now. Right. And maybe that transitions into a hire, but by all means, the hire is not what you need. Yeah. I think another thing that I would add is um, you are, you have a significant advantage if you are naturally a relational person, sure. Because so much of this is about building a relationship, totally. And but I would argue it's a misnomer that all pastors are inherently relational. Absolutely. I've known so many that relationship does not come natural. Sure. I mean, if you think about, I remember a blog article I wrote years ago about the many hats that a pastor wears. Yeah. And it, one of the things that is really unique about it is that you do like you have, you're supposed to be like visionary leader and like an intellectual studier, teacher mm-hmm. and a counselor and warm with people. And the truth is most pastors don't do all of those things well. And yep. so if you are naturally wired in this way, I think you have an advantage. Yeah. If you're not, it's not an excuse. Like yeah. you just have to be more intentional about it. Like there's all kinds of stuff I'm not good at that I still have as some, uh, not, not everything. Like we, we, we really do try to work to our strengths. Yep. Um, however, there is things that we all have to do that don't come naturally to us. And it just means more intentionality and learning. Totally. Yep. Absolutely. So that's a big one. You have yeah. to have the time to invest relationally. A second thing uh, would be, and this is going to be all you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk policy manual. Oh, you got to have a policy manual. You have the moment there's someone more than you, you have to have a policy manual. And here's why. My comment earlier about the fact that it takes a lot long time to set appropriate expectations. I know that there are countless people. I I know even for you as our staff started growing, um there are things that you just feel like everyone should know or like there's a universal way people behave mm-hmm. or universal like, you know, if you're going to be on uh, uh at church on Sunday morning mm-hmm. on stage, you would, of course, not wear that and that. You would wear right. this and this. Yeah. And there are all of these things which you as the leader, by all means, have the right to decide. I think you're kind of the gatekeeper to the culture. Mm-hmm. And so much of those kind of little tiddly things mm-hmm. do matter so mm-hmm. much to the culture. By no means am I trying to dismiss them. What I'm saying is that it is horribly unfair and like just abysmal leadership for you to believe that someone should just guess yeah. those things. It is this, your, it is your prerogative to be able to set. I would even argue it's your responsibility to set those things. I like that word better, but you, you cannot set those things and not communicate them. Right. Vaguely or in yeah. your mind or anything like that. You have to write it out. Yeah. Like in, in writing that you can hold someone responsible for and that they can utilize as kind of uh, their manual. I yeah. mean, it's why like, you know, you buy something new. I bought a new blender. And the first thing I did was read the manual because I wanted to make sure that I knew how it worked. Yeah. Uh, the same thing. You start a new job. I mean, I have read cover to cover every manual of every job that I've ever been a part of because I want to know what am I being held responsible for? What have I signed that I have agreed to? All of those kind of things. And so in this policy manual, it's not just about like basic, like how to use the church credit card while that's important. Yeah, uh, We're talking about things such as it needs to outline very clearly exactly how much time off do I get and when and if does it increase? Yeah. Uh, I think in a ministry setting, it should also include how many Sundays is that? Because mm-hmm. if you say I get two weeks off and I can spread it out, what if I decide to take two weeks worth of Sundays mm-hmm. off? Is that okay? If it's not okay, guess what? You've got to write it down. Yeah. Office hours would be another one. That's Office really hours, important. yep. Like if you, so if you're one of those people who's like, you know what, loosey-goosey and I don't care, cool. And if you're one of those people who like, if you show up at 8.02 and I said 8, there's going to be a problem, you have to say that. Yep. Because again, especially if you're getting someone from another ministry 
context, the likelihood they had expectations at all, or probably were in a situation with a boss that didn't clearly say them. And so you just came in every day not knowing. And I think uh, I'm going to just take a small sidebar here. The reason this is so important is that if you're like a strength finders person, first break all the rules, that yeah. whole uh, that whole sect of things, I really love that. It's great. Uh, they, uh, they have done studies and done uh, surveys of employees, and the number one most important thing for every employee, uh, the question that comes up the most important is, I know what's expected when, yep. I co- when I come to work each day. Not how much am I going to make, not what my retirement package is, but I know what's ex- expected of me when I come to work each day. Those other things are still very high on the list mm-hmm. and are included in this I know what's expected. But if you have expectations, you've got to make sure that they're clear and conveyed in a way that like didn't just happen on the initial conversation the first day, but in, in a way that's written down that I can revisit later when I'm like, mm-hmm. what did he what did he say about yeah. my cell phone use or that kind of thing? Yeah. There, do you remember Patrick Lencioni? Uh-huh. Remember like five dysfunctions oh, yeah. of a team mm-hmm. was his like super famous yeah. one. He has a lesser known book called Three Signs of a Miserable Job. Mm. And one of the three signs is coming in and not knowing. What's ex- like, I don't know how to win. I don't know what's expected of me. Yeah. I just think that that creates such an uncomfortable and inherently insecure environment totally. in a workplace. Sure. I think also uh, writing down paid holidays. So for example, for us, uh, something that we've kind of uh, done at every church that we've been a part of is that week between Christmas and New Year's, uh, the office is closed. Mm-hmm. And the rule is, uh, so at Ridgeline, we actually don't have service that week to give everyone who serves, including our staff, yeah. the week off. Uh, but even previously, the the kind of adage was like, you've still got to be ready with, like you're responsible for your thing on whatever's coming up on Sunday. Yeah. So if you're preaching, you got to have a sermon, if you're kids, whatever. Uh, and this uh, situation, it was just like, you don't have to come in. Mm-hmm. We want you to like get as much time as you can, take as much time as you can on your own. And, and so you have to outline what are those things. The 4th of July, if the 4th of July happens on a Sunday, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those kind of things have to be outlined. And if you're not word- sure where to start on this, find one from a secular job. Find one. A lot of them are PDFs online, and you can take some of the language of, for a few reasons. One, they've covered everything because they have like a whole floors of legal teams that want to make sure you say everything well and thoroughly in a way that people can understand and expect. It's not about being um, overly rigid. It's about creating an environment. I am a huge believer of like, you've got to drive, uh, you've got to draw boundary lines Mm -hmm. so that then you can like, and I don't care what you color within them. I just need to, and you need to know the lines. So you know where you can like play within, so to speak. Uh, let's see what else, uh, things like sick time. Uh, I think you need to outline things that the church will pay for cell phone reimbursement. Yeah. Uh, just as a side note, don't do a group cell phone plan. It's so complicated when people leave oh, yeah. who owns the device, who owns that phone number, right? Phone numbers are becoming, I, I think we're going to get to a point in time in which it'll be illegal to take someone's phone number because they're intensely personal for people and yeah. that kind of thing. And so I think a cell phone reimbursement is better. Uh, what kind of books do I get it? By what kind of conferences? Um, I think a huge one that must be in your manual is outline the schedule for raises. This is one that I don't know that I have hardly a single church that we support that has any formal outline for that. And I think that every job I worked at before ministry, I knew exactly when it was eligible. I knew what the performance review thing looked like. And look, look, I get that the process for like writing reviews mm-hmm. and and coming up with a schedule and how much should we give raises for and all of these types of things are very, very complicated and lots of work. And again, if you don't have these things established, you don't have any business hiring someone Yeah, because they have to be established to create an environment where people can thrive mm-hmm. and grow and feel appreciated. This idea that like you as the pastor will intermittently throw a couple hundred bucks at someone or like maybe do a raise like randomly, like that's not good. That's not helpful. And genuinely, uh, if you're going to be attractive to a potential a person who is worth hiring, they're going to want to know the answer to some of these questions. But it's complicated in a ministry setting. If in a ministry setting I am applying for a job and and read some of these things and 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 the idea that I could ever get a raise is missing, it feels very like self-serving. It feels mm-hmm. very um, fleshly, mm-hmm. all of those types of buzzwords to ask about it. Yeah. So please don't 
don't put people in that awkward spot. It's it good. is a job. Uh, outline it and make sure that it's ready to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the thing I'd, I'd just say to summarize what you've said is like, <clears throat> no, no, all the, all that stuff is super good. I just think like, so let's say you're in a situation where you don't, you, you have some staff, but you don't have a manual. Like yeah. if you don't have a manual, you don't get to be mad when your expectations aren't right. met. Period. Right. So like, okay, if you want to ignore this and don't have a manual, totally fine. Just don't ever be pissed at anybody when they don't meet your expectation. Because totally. I would say it's not enough that you've told people. Yep. If you haven't written it down and memorialized it in that manner, you just don't get to be mad. Sure. And legally wrote it down, memorialized it, and you have a document where someone has signed saying that they have received the manual yeah. and agree to be held accountable to what's in it. It's not that they, I mean, it's sort of like the iTunes uh agreement or whatever. Yeah. Everyone checks that they have. Listen, if you want to hold somebody accountable to it, which they would if they needed to, um, you have to have somebody's agreement that they've received it, they have access to it, and uh, they understand they'll be held accountable Would you it. recommend that in addition to giving the document and having a signature that you as a, whether any kind of direct report, that you would sit down with your direct reports and actually like as a new hire and that you would walk them through it? Yeah, I mean, uh, so Starbucks had this uh, thing that every new hire went through called the first impressions, yeah, and it was that. kind of that. It was it, it wasn't as detailed mm-hmm. like every page because, quite frankly, there's a lot of things to go over. Yeah, but I always went through the manual with everyone I ever hired, and like had like I had like one, and they had one, and mine had highlights in yeah. it of the things that mattered to me, the things that I cared about, and 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 I told them, listen, it's all important, but like yep. some of the like. You know, truly, when I worked for like Starbucks, some of the legalese, yeah, uh, not super helpful, but I do think um, it's it is very important because in that moment you get to convey, uh, listen, these aren't just words on paper; they're things we value mm-hmm. as an organization. Yeah. I'm telling you, the amount of time you put into that new hire's first couple of months, you can draw on that so for the life of their employment. Yep. So good. All right. Well, let's talk about the point that I think everyone has front of mind mm-hmm. and the one that kind of default everyone goes to, which is yeah, salary. Totally. We would frame this as we default won- they go to and sometimes exclusive thing they're offering. <clears throat> totally. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But let's, let's talk about, um, let's frame this more as appropriate salary yeah. rather than just, you just get to throw money at people. Yep. Let's talk about what we, how we think about what an appropriate salary is and yep. how, how we come to find that number, all of that. Yeah. So I think a couple of things. First of all, you have to make sure that you land on a good salary. So the first one is it needs to be a combination. If all you do is Google like church salary calculator, Mm -hmm. that's a great starting point. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem. I'm just going to say this. In general, church staff members are horribly and woefully underpaid. Terribly. Like, like underpaid, undervalued from a financial standpoint. Uh, it's it's, it's, it's really saddening. It is. It's saddening. It, it's saddening. Yeah. yeah. It, it's embarrassing, all of those types of things. And so here's the problem with only using a church calculator. Church calculators are fueled by other churches. And so if we only use the church calculator, we are perpetuating this yeah. sort of like abusive system forever. Yeah. And so I think it's important to use uh, a church calculator. I also think things like, uh, I think it's called Glassdoor or something like that. Uh, there's some secular options where you can look at a similar type job and you look at maybe the number of people this person's responsible mm-hmm. for. You look at some of the job skills and try to come up with like, what is this job kind of like in the secular world? Yeah. And see what they're getting paid out there. Uh, and then also, and this is so important, yeah. but the cost of living in your city, it's so very important to think through like, how much does it cost to live here? The, yeah, the, like um, the cost of living in a small town like Hickory, North Carolina right. and Salt Lake City, where our real estate is like through the roof and the average townhome gets like 42 offers and 40, it's, in, it's insane. Yeah, and so you can't absolutely. get paid the same amount in nope. both of those places. Well, you probably, a lot of churches probably do, but sure. that sucks. Yeah. And then I also think one of the things I want to just throw out there um, is the implications regarding your theological convictions. I like so that. I know that we have some listeners who um, uh, believe that, um, so the only uh so a, like a pastoral role is only open to men. Mm-hmm. I understand their point on that. Yep. Um, and, and also believe very strongly that it is their wife's job to uh, 
be focused on the home. So, mm-hmm. so still a job, still very important, but not to be working outside the home in any way, mm-hmm. must be in the home. Especially we, when we, there's little kids or whatever. Exactly, yeah. yes, exactly. <clears throat> and so don't put the kids in daycare, you're going to focus on the home. Mm-hmm. So much so that um, I know lots of churches where anything outside of that is not an option. Right. I'm here to tell you, you need to take that into consideration. You have now kind of hogtied that family yeah. from their ability to like provide for themselves in a meaningful way. And so as a result, you need to make sure that, and again, I'm not here saying you're hiring both p- people because you're not. We've right. never believed in the first no. lady of the church or any no. of that. And if you listen and you do, don't. Uh, <laughs> that's all I got to say on that. That's a whole series yeah. of things someday down the road. Yeah, but this is, I mean, you're not even like, we're not even like affirming like this is the way no. that we function or anything like that, but some people do. Right. And as a result, you cannot tell a family uh, it's his full-time job to be here. Wife, you're not allowed to work outside the home sure. and we're going to pay you like $13 an hour and you have 19 kids and good luck. Right. You can't do that. No. Yeah. And I think even if you're not as like hard to the whole as saying you can't work outside the home, but if there's going to be like, you know, sideways glances mm-hmm. and like shame looks and all of that, uh, if you're listening and you're a board member and you're one of those guys, pay your pastor to be able to support that. Because yeah. to your point, we're not weighing in on if you should believe that or shouldn't. I'm here to tell you some do. Yep. And if you do, that has to be taken in consideration. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, let's see what else. Um, I also think that um, uh, as you look into this, as you delve into this and look into calculators and mm-hmm. this and that and cost of living, here's what you're probably going to find. Most pastors are going to find they're nowhere near where they should be. Yeah. And again, you're talking like, so you're a, let's say you're a solo lead pastor. Yep. You're looking to hire someone. You start to dig into this and you realize, holy cow, I'm, I'm not even getting paid anywhere near what I should. So right? then, yeah. And yeah. so the answer is not, well, you know, as the lead guy, I'm the highest salary. So it'll just be some sort of percentage or some yep. clip of that. And so then it's like, like you're not making much and they're making less than not much. <laughs> yeah. That's not the answer. Again, you don't have any business hiring if you don't have a manual that points people to it. And if your salary is not correct, that's step one. Yeah. And and I know it is so awkward to sit down with your board yeah. uh, and to say, listen, um, we've got to fix this because we yeah. can't hire anyone until we do. But if you have the ability to care about, one, your family and their provision, and two, all of your staff members from here on out, because I'm telling you, it's real. It's not too bad to mm-hmm. fix one guy's salary. Mm-hmm. You got six staff members and you got to correct all those. Sal- I mean, that's, that's like a huge dent. I yeah. mean, that's like building cost at that point. Yeah. And so I think being willing to be courageous and maybe it's not like on the agenda for the elder meeting, but maybe you have on your board, someone that you can confide in mm-hmm. and talk An advocate to advocate of yeah, some kind yeah, and ask them to like, uh, go batting, go up to bat for you on this, all of those types of things. And I just think that it's so important that that be fixed first. And then we talk about, all right, so now that that's fixed, what is that salary that should be for the person that you're going to hire mm-hmm. and go from there? And so I think that's super, super important. Can I speak into the board thing yeah. just a little bit before we go move for on? It. <clears throat> I, I just, because I, I think some pastors might have some, Uh, rightful concern about having some of those conversations. And so I just want to talk about that dynamic a little bit. There, there is, I think in many, many churches, this keep the pastor poor mentality Mm. and they use it as a way, you know, I think for whatever reasons, man, there's a, maybe some of them are, they've got some kind of weird misplaced theological conviction that pastors need to be like dead broke. I think more often than not, it comes from watching some of the corruption in the fall of some like mega church pastors that are making ungodly mm. sums of money or yeah. stealing money or whatever. And so yep. they use it as a way to keep pastors humble, Sure, whatever. I think <clears throat> when I think about the type of board member, I think a couple of things I'd push on. One is I would just encourage board members who might be listening to this because your pastor sent it to you <laughs> so that we could say some things that he doesn't want to have to. Sure. Um, I think one thing would be looking at your own job You know, like if I think it's just, I just think it's such hypocrisy if you have the type of job that has all these things that Mm -hmm. we're talking about, Mm -hmm. but you look at your pastor and go, oh, but you don't, you don't need this or you don't deserve. I just think that's hypocrisy. I think another type of board member that could be, uh, that could have some tension about this is self, they're self-employed maybe in some way. And because of that, they don't have some of these things. Totally. And, And I think what I would say to that board member 
and I mean this in love, is like that has more, like your pastor shouldn't be paid because your job situation sucks too. <laughs> right. Like, like if you run your own business, maybe, maybe like fix some of that too, right. if Absolutely. you can. But I don't think it's fair that because you don't have some of these things that you would then pay that forward. So right. I think it's a very awkward conversation to have with your board, but I agree with you to be able to um, have an advocate on your board, someone that knows your heart and that you trust to be able to have some of these, com- it just has to, it has to start with you because by and large, most people are going to be paid some percentage off of what you are making. Mm-hmm. And so yours has to be right to set the right tone for the rest of it. Absolutely. All right. So that's a bunch of stuff about salary. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about health benefits. I think the big thing is you have to, oh gosh, well, <laughs> so, you have them, so you can I do, do I'm that. very thankful for Most them Most of Go our ahead. listeners, Don't. Uh, based on my experience, do not have anything offered to them in any way, shape, or form, and it's not as though the church is paying them such an exorbitant salary that the implication is you buy your own on your own setting. Yeah. It's genuinely, there's nothing offered, and so good luck. I think most of the time, the implication is... Uh, you know, try to go with some state-funded option. Mm. And I'm not even saying that's a bad idea. It's just um, you have to offer something, and mm-hmm. it has to be clear. And so, uh, first of all, make sure that you're offering some kind of health benefits, especially uh, there are a lot of the things, even about the Reformed Health Care Act, that don't apply in the same way to churches. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's really sad because mm-hmm. it, it gives you the ability to like skate out on some of the things that all small businesses are being held to. And I'm just here to tell you that if you uh, also appreciated the ability to get a PPP mm-hmm. and don't, and also find yourself thankful that you don't apply to yeah. that, like we can't have our cake and eat it too. You know, we've got to uh, honor what uh, may not apply to us, but is intended for people in the same kind of situation. Yeah. And I understand that this is going to sound kind of shaming and I think people can sort that out as they need to. I think if uh, if a coffee shop cares more about the health of its employees, <laughs> the health care of its employees than a church does, that's yeah. problematic. The health care of its 20 hour a week employees. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so I think... Um, Uh, The other thing that's really important is to make sure that you're offering benefits and the way that you're doing it is allowed, uh, honors the law, all of those types of things. Uh, What does that mean? uh, Like, what what have you seen that? Oh, just, I mean, just like uh, all kinds of things. I I think the big thing is like, there are rules to it. If you're going to offer them, whether or not they're taxed, all of that type of thing, like whether or not you just get money added on all of that. And uh, so you have to make sure that is, I will say just as kind of like, a uh, little piece of advice on this. It is so wildly unlikely that you are going to like, it's going to be worth it for you to be on a group plan. Okay. Especially based on the reformed healthcare act. They are so shockingly expensive. Maybe your church is grandfathered on a plan that is uh, prior to that, but the likelihood is they are not. Okay. And so it's very unlikely, you know, if you're thinking, well, I got to reach out to an insurance agent and talk about a group plan. Boo, not a good idea. Uh, my recommendation for most churches, and uh-huh. I think this is going to be churches of staffs less than like, I don't know, probably 20. Okay. Um, it's a QSEHRA, which stands for Qualified Small Employer Health Reimbursement Arrangement. Um, it's uh, catchy. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> but it's basically each staff member finds the level of benefits that they're comfortable with. Okay. And the government allows a tax-free reimbursement up to uh, a certain threshold. So in 2021, for example, mm-hmm. if you're a single person, it's $5,300 a year or $441 a month. And if you're in a, uh, a family, it's $10,700 a year or $891 a month. Now, I'm here to tell you that if you have a family and you're only getting $891 a month reimbursement in your health insurance, it's not everything. Mm-hmm. But you have to pick your plan wisely. And I think yeah. if you want like every acupuncture and massage treatment covered, then you pick the diamond or platinum or whatever they're called plan, mm-hmm. and that's great. And there's going to be more out of pocket. I will say that in most jobs in the world that I know about, there is some amount of employee contribution to mm-hmm. the plan. And so it gives you the ability to have covered the things that you want to have covered. 
And it gives your church the ability also to know these are going to be our, so the maximum amount of expense that's going to get reimbursed will be either 5300 or 10700 And again, there is the opportunity for leadership teams to reduce the amount from the IRS maximum. I will say don't do that because these numbers are not crazy. I mean, as a single person, the one for a single person will get you decent health insurance. The one for a family will not. And But those are the maximums and they're allowed. And so what happens is you pay for the health insurance and then you submit it for reimbursement and you get reimbursed as long as it's a qualified health plan. Uh, it can't be just like, you know, your witch doctor, like making you up a potion. Like it's gotta be, it's gotta be like a real health plan yeah. and it's uh, that reimbursements tax exempt. So uh, look it up. It's really easy to administer. There's no fees because it's uh, monitored locally at your church. QSCHRA. By all means, it's something that you could begin and implement within within a week. That was good. Yeah, I didn't feel like that was boring. Okay, no, cool. that was good. All right. I mean, I thought you were casting a spell when you said the QSE <laughs> thing. But yeah. <clears throat> all right, so let's talk a little bit then about retirement. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if most churches are not paying for health benefits, they're definitely not taking care of retirement. Would you I, agree? Yeah, I think percentage wise, it's very low. Probably less than ten percent. Are taking care of retirement. Yeah. Are doing anything for retirement at all. And so so I think there's a couple of good options. Again, I I appreciate if you know of other options, that's great. I will say looking into this kind of stuff is sort of what I do for a living. Yeah. Um, But I know there are other options. I'm just going to highlight a couple. So the first one is if you are a part of any network denomination and you can participate in what's known as a 403B. It's basically the church world version of a 401k. You absolutely should. There's great benefits for you in that. There's lots of great rules about, you know, your church can make, you know, contributions directly to it, like maybe in lieu of a bonus. I mean, there's all kinds of things that are great. And if you're a part of, um, like the Southern Baptist Convention, mm-hmm. if you're a part of uh, different networks, uh, not many networks offer this, but they're starting to. Okay. Uh, the problem is the reason you have to be a part of something. Uh, I, I would guess there are probably some mega churches out there that uh, have their own 403b plan. The problem is the fees to administer the 403b are very high and really unreasonable for a very small church. It just okay. it's more you, you should at that point you should give your pastor the amount you're going to pay to administer to it just so that he can put it into his own retirement. I think the other option that's very accessible to everyone is a simple IRA. Uh, it's not as great as the 403B, but it allows the employee to participate, allows the church to match. Uh, it's great, and it's a great option for an unaffiliated church. And just to throw it out there, uh, we've always used Thrivent for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I love them. Uh there, unless you're in Utah, apparently, yeah. you very likely have a local Thrivent rep you can get in contact with. Um, they are a Christian organization, but in general, their their funds, if you research them, are always rated really highly because mm-hmm. they perform really well. They're a great organization, and so they, I, I guarantee you there would be a Thrivent rep that is salivating to set one of these up for you. So reach out to them and let them do that. And again, you can determine uh, how much uh, the church pays, mm-hmm. how much the employee pays. And more than anything, it's just an option for participation. And we're talking about hundreds of dollars a year in financial and commitment to your employee that can turn into a real uh, difference maker when it comes time for them to retire, especially if they have opted out of Social Security and Medicare, which we won't get into today. But uh, it's very important. It's good. Well, this last one is kind of a now a Mm catch-all for anything we haven't covered, which is that we should feel the responsibility to provide for what we expect. Expect mm-hmm. from people. Uh, and so unpack that for us. Yeah. So I think here's a great example. If in your expectations or even in your mind, and it's not something you've written down, yeah. you expect your employee to have a calendar and to use them and, and want them to have access to email on their phone and that they should be able to be texted. And, and maybe your church uses some sort of system with an app. Mm-hmm. Uh, your cell phone reimbursement plan needs to have in consideration, they probably need an iPhone mm-hmm. or an Android, but yeah. probably an iPhone. Maybe you should explicitly say they can only have an I would be supportive of that. I would not. Um, I would not. I would just say, unless you're like, maybe you're on the other end of this, yeah. I would not have an employee with an Android. 
No, because then it's green when you text them. I hate that so oh, much. Every green. time I see green, I'm just like, mm, I'm sorry. And I, I celebrate with my friends when they turn blue, when they finally- <laughs> When they convert from green mm-hmm. to blue. Yep. I, I like agree. <laughs> uh, but but again, like, so it's not just like, well, we'll give them $10 a month for that. You know, yeah. like, and, and I think also weighing out things like, how much are they going to use their phone? You know, are they a full-time employee or part-time employee? All of these kind of things matter. And so if that's what you expect, that's what you should be paying for. Yeah. I think uh, if you expect your staff member to grow in areas, whether it be production, children, uh, provide them the resources to grow. Maybe they need to take an online course. Maybe they need to go to a conference. Maybe they need to something like that. That's really important. The first church I worked at had an expectation that I was going to finish up Bible college. Mm -hmm. And so when I was hired, what I was told was, and we'll cover it, which you should. Right. If you're insisting that this happens. Absolutely. But I have to pay for it. That's just bizarre. Right. Um, But then the church backed out on that. Oh, which was cool. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. (laughs) So don't do that. Right. Uh, That church doesn't exist anymore. So I have no problem sharing that story. Maybe that's why. It could be. Could be. The Mm. Lord knows. The Lord knows. He does. (laughs) That's a good, that's the most true thing we've said today. Um, And then I think I've even heard of churches that expect their staff members to live within a certain vicinity of their church. Here's a problem. So I know of a friend who uh, was on staff of the church and after he was hired was sent to be on staff at a church at a campus that um, was in a very affluent area. And even, you know, and I appreciate this church. uh, It's a mega church. And so they had an employee manual and it said the number of miles you have to live from your campus Okay, uh, inside that radius. Here's the problem didn't even sort of cover anything inside it. I mean, they they found like the best apartment they could. He had to keep going back to HR and explaining like, I don't like this. If you just do the math, it yeah. just doesn't add up. We have right. no money left for food. And so he got a little bit, <sighs> but just that you would embrace the fact that, you know what, like if that's what we want to see happen, if we want our, you know, if you're going to plant a church in Bel Air and want your pastor to live there, you better be ready to shell it out, man. How, how much saying. do you know about Bel Air? Out of curiosity, uh, outside of the Fresh Prince, is it still? Is that like a fancy area still? Yeah, I mean, I watch uh, Million Dollar Listings, and there's oh, a lot of them. Is there? On, that's like, still Rodeo like a fancy Drive area. And, oh yeah, oh, okay. for sure. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, oh yeah, a Million Dollar Listings is great. I love it. Yeah, I haven't seen that. So yeah, so I think all of those types of things again. Um, as the leader, mm-hmm. I and I love your idea, or I love your comment. It's not just your uh, right; mm-hmm. it's your responsibility. Yeah, and so if you've got some of those like like uh, unique type things uh, about how you want people to dress or how about how, how you want people to do different things, you got to provide for it. Yep, it's good. Mm-hmm. So those are, the, those are the things that we would put under the essentials. Yeah. Which is probably, I bet there's some people listening that are pretty mind blown by that some of that is essential. <laughs> yep. And, and, that's- and again, it's essential because it's like price of admission for any non-ministry job in the world, yeah, that's not like just part time, like pizza delivery driver, and even they are starting to have great benefits. <laughs> totally. So then, there's another. There's additional benefits that we would say people should strongly consider. Um, and again, we these are not necessarily essential, but close. Yeah. Right. Close. Yeah. I, I mean, I think while we're at it, yeah. that's what this should to be think titled. about. Yeah. To think about these things. So yeah. one example would be ongoing professional development. You mm-hmm. mentioned conferences and mm-hmm. books and masterclass member. Like we've talked about that. And yeah. like, there's all kinds of different ways that I think if you really want that to be, and, and I would say ongoing professional development either is or is not. Uh, a cultural virtue mm-hmm. in some churches. And I would say if it is a cultural virtue for you as a leader and sure. for your church, then you should strongly consider basically putting your money where your value is yeah. and making a way for people to be able to do that. What would be another example? Yeah. I think what we've always termed as discretionary spending, you know, putting yourself in a place where like, if I need a book for this yep. sermon series, if I need to study up on this, if I just like, work best with this kind of notepad or pen mm-hmm. or that, to, like that you have. And again, it should have some level of like budget and something, you know, it's not just to like, you know, go, go buy you a new, new Porsche, but just the right. reality that like we want someone to feel comfortable in the job they do because uh, by the way, they're going to produce at a much higher. I mean, yeah. every study in the world, personal experience dictates if I like my environment, if I like my tools, I'm going to do a better job. Yep. And so giving people the ability to choose some of those things, 
Uh, I think another thing that's just so important for churches to think about is the idea of giving a bonus to mm-hmm. your staff members. I think that some people hear that and think, <gasps> well, that was, you know, I, mean, I mean, I mean, for me, that was pretty, um, like that was foreign to me. Right. Because I didn't have 10 years in the marketplace like you sure. did. I'd only been in ministry. I hadn't been up to that. I mean, I had one before we planted uh, Redemption, mm-hmm. I had only worked full time in one other church. Yep. Um, there was no bonuses. I mean, they didn't. They didn't even pay what they said they'd pay, so I definitely wasn't getting extra. Sure, sure. Um, so I remember when you first brought that up, I was just mm-hmm. like, "Oh yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome." <laughs> but <laughs> right. I would not have thought thought right. that on my own because I didn't I didn't have the experience. Sure. And again, don't be cryptic about it. Don't yeah. have it be this like thing where you like shake down a few people in the congregation and get them to like pitch in on a Chili's gift card. Like, yeah. let your staff Oof. know like. Uh, so, for example, one of the things that we started years ago at the first chance church we planted is that we like to pay out a bonus at the uh, – so we get paid twice a month at mm-hmm. the paycheck in the middle of November. You want to know why? Christmas is coming. Yeah, and then it's covered. And that's always been a huge, huge blessing to us. And that it – like what's really helpful in this stage now is knowing that we can count on that. Right. And not have to, I mean, again, unless we were like in a really hard place financially as a church, we understand that it is a bonus. It's not just an extra paycheck right there. Um, But to be, to know, to not have to be like, to wonder every year, like, are are we doing that this year? Are we going to have that? Yeah, and you just like have that kind of weird thing of like, is anyone going to mention it? Did everyone forget? It's been like, it's COVID. Is anyone wondering? I mean, the number of conversations that I've had with the pastors that I support who are like, Hey, do you think you could like figure out how to bring this yeah. number? You know, and I do, but I, I, I think that just making sure people know, cause mm-hmm. they, cause it's okay to rely on it. And I think even, even to your point about it is a bonus. And my challenge to you would be, if it's something you want to provide, then make all other spending decisions in the idea that that money's already spent so that yes, yeah. there could be a season that you go to that's really rough or go through that's really rough and you're, you just don't have the ability and you talk to your staff members and you apologize and all of that. But in general, it shouldn't be this like, well, you know, if John from his job gets his bonus and then he tithes a bunch like we mm-hmm. plan on it being, then maybe we can pay like, no, make sure that it's a part of like a monthly kind of prepaid expense or something like that to where you're thinking about it. You're planning for it because it's a benefit mm-hmm. that's offered to people. It's communicated to them upon hire that this is our best intention. It's again, not a gimme, uh, but it's very, very likely, um, you know, a must an act, an act of God yeah. uh, prohibits it. So I think it's super important. Yeah. Super important. So I think my closing two cents which, on why I think that all of this is important is <clears throat> the um, ministry is a is a difficult job. Yep. We, we work hard to not just constantly bemoan like it's so miserable and it's yeah, so yeah, like because yeah. it, there's jobs that are worse yep. <laughs> for sure. Um, it's a blessing mm-hmm. to have this job. Um, there's a lot of sacrifice yeah. of a lot of different kinds involved. I think our bent, I remember before we, before we planted redemption, you'll remember this cause you were super instrumental in this conversation. Mm. We met at this little Starbucks, um, halfway between Maryville, Indiana, Maryville, Indiana. It was yep. halfway between Chicago and Indianapolis where you were living before you moved. Mm-hmm. We met there with a couple other people on our team. And one of the things that I really said was, you know, ministry is filled with headaches and hardships and sacrifice. And we just want to pay in a way where money is not one of those. Sure. Now that is said also within the context. And I think this is a super important thing for people, especially like for board members who are helping with this to understand like, no, I've never met someone in ministry who got into ministry to get rich. Right. I've never met that person. I'm not saying that some people have not found a way to become very wealthy within ministry, but I've never met a person who gets into ministry to get rich. If you did, you're a fool. Because by and large, that does not happen. Yeah. We're talking like such a small percentage of people sure. that get wealthy in ministry because of yeah. books and speaking. And you aren't just, writing how great is our God, friend. You just aren't. <laughs> no, Mm-mm. that's just like that's just probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so we're not talking about paying ministry leaders in a way where they're going to be like 
wealthy in in like the American sense of that, I guess. Um, like we, we don't work in, I think one thing that is unique is that we're not working in like some kind of fortune 500 company where we can work our way up slowly. Yeah, you're going to go public and, and get yeah. stock options. Promotion and all after yeah, promotion yeah, yeah, yeah. where your you know, your pay can increase by and large. We're working inside of a very small totally. frame of like what we're going to end up making in life. And so I think it's worth really, really caring about that. Sure. And it's certainly one of the reasons why so many people in ministry leave to go do other jobs because it gets to a point where they, and they're not being greedy. Like some, I know some people that have left ministry because literally they cannot take care of their family Mm -hmm. and shame on the church that allows that to be possible. Yeah. It's not about being rich. I just feel like I want my pastor to be able to go on vacation without stressing about it. Yeah. And, and I, I like one thing that I would add on top of that is, you know, you think about all of these, these companies that make the list for best place to work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Personally, I, I believe, I'm not saying everyone, I know everyone doesn't agree with this, but Mm -hmm. I would argue that churches should think so much about like, what do we have to do? You're never going to, very few of us are going to make that list because our churches are small, Yeah, but how do you create an environment that can compete with that? I I would say it's a matter of honoring God that we have created the best place that we possibly can for these people to work. And I will say there are some churches that have made that list like elevation church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm. They make the list they've made the list of the number one best place to work in Charlotte, North Carolina before. That's crazy. And regardless of what you think about, like, and I, every time you say anyone, there's yeah. like 90% of the people disclaimer. are pissed yeah, and hate yeah, those yeah. people. So I don't care what you think about any of that. I'm just saying like, that's pretty amazing. Totally. That like a house of God <laughs> Has, is also run in such a way that all of their employees are like, we love working here. Sure. Because it doesn't, it's not to say if God has called you to lead and be the pastor of a small to medium sized church that your employees eventually have to leave. Because yeah. make no mistake, there there are mega churches out there like Elevation, mm-hmm. like other churches that have hired HR people and executive pastors that know how important these things are. And at some point, your staff member can grow to a level of skill and talent that they get tapped on the shoulder and they have to say yes. And it's not always about uh, playing in a bigger room, preaching Mm -hmm. to a bigger crowd. Sometimes it's just about like, oh, I can finally survive. Yeah. And so you can do that too if... And the big if is if you don't race to hire everyone on $2 an hour part-time. Yeah. I, I like one thing I'm really thankful for is um, I'm I'm pretty confident that there is not another job I could have in Salt Lake City that would take better care of me than our church. I really don't think there is, and uh, and I know a lot of pastors who do leave the ministry because they can think of like ten other, and it's not just because I'm like not this is all I do and like I am sure. confident like I can sure. figure some stuff out totally, and, but I just I don't think there's another uh, church. I don't think there's another company that will take as good a care of me as what our church does. And I think that that is, uh, and that's not, and I feel comfortable saying that because clearly as is evident by this conversation, (laughs) I've had almost nothing to do with it other than, uh, Hey, let's take care of people. That's my, my, my singular contribution. And and you've really put legs to that. And I just, I would love to say, or I would love to hear that a year from now, other pastors would be able to echo back and say the same. Because I don't know very many that can say that right now. Yep. So this has been a lot to be able to to give people and to work through. I think it's probably one of the most practical and helpful conversations that we've had. Good job. You are the talent. You really, really nailed it. Thank you. So as always, uh, we want you to know that uh, we're so thankful that you take time to listen to this. We hope that it's been helpful. If it has been helpful, you can be helpful to us by, uh, as we say every week, you can subscribe uh, rather than just find episodes here and there. Subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and then we'd love to connect with you on social media. And Mm -hmm. so as always, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at at Ryan Hughley, which is H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And you can find me on the same platforms at at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. See you later, alligator. Oh, man. You find a way every week for it to be worse and worse.